Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, May the 9th, 2023, some 70 years ago. Uh, there was a coronation in England of Elizabeth II. We did a show with the novelist Jennifer Robson, the historical novelist, on uh, this coronation. Uh, her new novel just came out. Lucky for Jennifer is Coronation Year, a novel. Of course, last weekend there was another coronation, this time of Charles III, Elizabeth II's son, her eldest son. It was an odd event. I have to admit, I didn't watch it. But when one looks at some of the photos, they looked almost photoshopped, these odd-looking old people with crowns on their heads, looking bemused, as bemused as perhaps many of us looking at us, uh, looking at these scenes on the balcony of celebrities. And of course, it was the quintessential celebrity event. Katy Perry was there causing news because she couldn't find her seats, probably not all she couldn't find. Uh, Prince Harry was there. He hasn't been able to find himself. That's the narrative of that particular celebrity. And uh, the magazine that perhaps captures the all the, the values, if that's the right word, of our celebrity age. People uh, led, of course, this week with a cover story about the next royal era beginning. It's good for people. It sells magazines, also sells Twitter uh, followers. People have uh, almost 8 million followers. One man who knows all about celebrity culture is my guest today. Lanny Jones was the head editor of People, uh, from 1989 to 1997, it's glory year. And appropriately enough, and perhaps he had some sort of arrangement with the old queen and the new king, he has a new book out, Celebrity Nation, How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. And, and Landon Jones, who his friends call Lanny, is joining us from his longtime home in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, Lanny, welcome. Congratulations on the new book. Uh, I, I'm curious, uh, the subtitle of the book is How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. So it's mostly a book about celebrity culture in the United States. But how does the British royal family fit into it? I know you knew Princess Di and you've done quite a lot of writing on her. Yeah, the as listening to your introduction... I was wondering about the British coronation in 1953 and how many how many celebrities would have come to that, or what we would call celebrities. I doubt it. But nowadays, the celebrities sort of validate any event. So they validate the coronation by being there. They validate the Metropolitan Gala, Metropolitan Opera Gala in New York. And it is an odd, it is an odd thing that we have come to depend on them for that. Um, so that's my first reaction to the coronation. Uh, the royal family, I mean, some of it must be a hangover from from the old days, you know, when the Greek gods, but uh, when they were royals running countries, but not now. It's just a show business enterprise. Right? 
So there we had ooh, Lionel Richie and Katy Perry. I, I don't quite get it. Well, you get it as well as anyone. You've just written a book about it. When you wrote about Princess Di, you knew the woman. Uh, we we call her the Spencer girl from England. I I'm, can't claim she's I'm one of her great fans. Uh, you said that uh, you wrote one of the remarkable legacies of the Princess of Wales that in the in the weeks following her death, almost everyone felt as if they had known her. Is celebrity culture, uh, Lanny, is it rooted in the idea of us, you and I, and all the, our viewers and listeners and everyone on Twitter and Instagram and watching television and reading People magazine? Uh, built it, on it, it, an yeah, intimacy yeah, with famous yeah. people. They've always been famous people. They've always been kings and queens, but they've always been distant and oh, no. private. So the, the, the structure is all gone. Uh, we no longer know why people are famous. They are simply um, famous for being famous. And, and that's the phenomenon we have now. So it's not so unusual that someone like Diana would be famous but uh, what's so different is the is the uh, extent of it and the volume of it, and, and that all dates to social media, and you know 2006 when the when the social media really took root. So I think it's it's quantitatively different now, and that we don't know why people are famous, but somehow we accept it anyway. They're famous for being famous. You mentioned the social media age. We've done a lot of shows on social media. But most people would argue it was born in the early 2000s with blogging and then with social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. And yet you took over people in 1989. You, you were there in the glory years between 89 and 97. So clearly the celebrity business, what you call uh, the celebrity industrial complex, its architecture, its infrastructure was born uh, even before the Internet. I was... Yes, when when People Magazine, when we founded it in 1974, we did not even use the word celebrity. There, there was people were movie stars, and we were trying to write a magazine about ex ordinary people who did extraordinary things. But now, of course, celebrity dominates, and that's all there is out there. And so, uh, yes, it all grew in that period, and I became very aware of it. And then, and I became a little disconcerted about it, about it. And the real, the real problem was that celebrities seemed to be squeezing out heroes. And so, the more that celebrities were growing, the fewer heroes we had in, in our society. One time, yeah, I you wrote a piece uh, for the Washington Post a few years ago on America having too many celebrities, not enough heroes. You have a photo of Tom Hanks and Richard Phillips. I'm assuming. For you, Hanks is heroic, but he's also a celebrity. Yeah. Um, well, the, the piece came into being because I went to a focus group, and the focus group moderator used to ask people, so who are your heroes? There's a warm-up question. And then I noticed he stopped asking that question. So I said, how come you don't ask about people's heroes anymore? And she said, because they cannot think of any. And so that was a clue. And that's when I first started taking notes on my book. And that was that's incredible. So, so are you, uh, I mean, the way the book's been marketed, um, 
is you're a man who helped build this thing and now you're beginning to regret it. Is there an element to that, um, Lanny, about this book? Is it a is it an enterprise of guilt? Are you feeling guilty for what you've created, this well, monster, a, this Frankenstein? There's a slight bit of, yeah, Frankenstein's monster. And there's a, a little bit of mea culpa. I mean, we started it. On the other hand, we don't consider ourselves, or at least did not, to be responsible for the actions of our imitators. And so it was the imitators that where the real abuses came from. And the over the overkill in the in the celebrity business, um, and and what do you mean by an imitator? What does that mean? And even if people I tried to compensate for it, like it often acted the celebrity machine acted to the disadvantage of minorities, to women, and so we tried to compensate for that by 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 uh, bending to do to do celebrities who were minorities or women, but. Um, it was almost too late because the imitators were running with it. And also, it was the marketers got into it. It's a conspiracy of marketers and media when you think about it. That's what's going on. And a willing public and the willing celebrities. And by the way, celebrities pay a great price for this. You know, the, the damage to them with the, what's called a acquired situation of narcissism. Uh, it's very bad, and their life expectancy is much lower than that for you for most. Is people. that because they get married so often? You you suggest that in many ways the original celebrity may not have been Princess Di, but was Elizabeth Taylor, a very beautiful woman who was married many many times. Maybe that contributed to her early death. What is it about? celebrities like Elizabeth Taylor that make them so miserable? And do we expect them to be miserable? If we have happy celebrities like Tom Hanks, they're not really celebrities, are they? I'm sorry, I missed that question again, please. Um, are we, do we take it for granted that celebrities like Liz Taylor should be miserable? And uh, if we have a happy celebrity, uh, a Tom Hanks, for example, who you write about, um, he's not really a celebrity because he seems so normal and happy. Yes. No, Elizabeth Taylor was the one celebrity I wanted very much to meet and interview. And I finally did because I had somewhat grown up with her and all the sort of scandals that surrounded her life in the movies. But the scandals and Richard Burton and a multiple, there's something like uh, she married six husbands seven times. And uh, so when I met her, uh, embarrassingly, I was, I was very nervous. And I remember dropping dropping my tape recorders on the floor and a, a bouquet of, of lavender. Well, she's uh, quite a beautiful lady, uh, Lanny. I'm sure that contributed to your nervousness too. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but what I found was a, a sincere, nice person who was very dedicated to the cause she had of... Uh, of AIDS and pediatric AIDS. And she was making a real difference with her work. And so some people like that can do that. And, but she was lucky because she did it before the real, the age of social media and the sort of uh, celebrity, the celebrity boom. You, uh, you note that perhaps the quintessential celebrity of our age is Paris Hilton, who of course, prolific on social media with her almost 17 million followers on Twitter, even more than People magazine. 
What came first, Landon, the message or the media when it comes to social media uh, and celebrity? What created which? What created this? No, what created, I mean, in terms of trying to understand our social media age, do we need to understand it in terms of an engine created by and for celebrity? Or is this what you call this celebrity industrial complex, is it a consequence of social media? Or is it hard to separate the causes and effects? It is. The cause and effect is correlation and causation, as the social scientists call it. It's always difficult to untangle. But going back to social media, I mean, Paris Hilton was there at the beginning when when her porno tape went public. And that sort of started it. When you look at at YouTube and how did YouTube start, it started with the so-called wardrobe malfunction when uh, I guess it was uh, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake uh, dancing at the halftime of a Super Bowl show. And uh, that became the most sought-after video. And that's when the guy came up with the idea for YouTube was that he could use that video to grow a whole service out of it. And so all of these things, many of them started with pornography almost. Uh, I don't know if I'd call that pornography, but they started with sensational. One of the truisms about celebrity is that they are defiant. And, um, and they've always been that way. And it goes back to, you know, to Buffalo Bill or Annie Oakley. It goes back to Sarah Bernhardt, the actress. And so there's always, it goes back to Oscar Wilde. So there's, a, there's an area of defiance that, uh, that captures people's imagination. And then it became very easy to access with social media. So that's what, I think that's what happened. And reality television. You know, there's a writer's strike in, in Hollywood now. And the last, what happened at the last writer's strike? Well, that's when reality television started because it was cheaper. And when reality television started, it worked. And suddenly it went from zero such shows, maybe the uh, American Family on PBS. And then it went to 100 reality television shows. And then it went to the Kardashians. And so suddenly we have people who are famous, but, but we don't know why. I mean, if you ask people on the street, why is Kim Kardashian famous? They know she is, but they don't know why. And she had, a, I believe, a X-rated tape too. Uh, the subtitle of your book, Lanny, is How America Evolved into a Culture of Fans and Followers. Nobody wants to be a follower. It suggests an absence of agency. Why has this happened? Why do so many Americans define themselves now around being followers of one kind of celebrity or another? Well, I think that uh, this psycho social psychologist would say that's a parasocial relationship in which you think you know someone well, but they don't know you. And so millions of Americans have parasocial relationships with people they follow on Instagram or wherever, on some, some service and, uh, or, on, or on a reality show. But it's a, it's a one-way street. And so, but it's, it's seemingly satisfying, but it leads to low self-esteem and it leads to, uh, that's the main one, it's low self-esteem and it leads to 
sort of a certain lack of initiative and also it hurts community and community feelings. And so we're, we're not building communities while we're all by ourselves, you know, idealizing and worshiping celebrities. And that goes back to the my point or your point about Princess Di. Everyone felt they knew her. I'm not sure if anyone organized that it just almost happened. You wrote a book, uh, another prize-winning book, Great, Expect- Great Expectations, America and the Baby Boomer Generation back in 1980. It's one of the uh, most relevant books about this new baby boomer generation and and all these various generations since the baby boomers. How much has this celebrity nation bound up with the baby boomer generation? How has one come to define the other? That's a that's a very good question. Thanks, Andrew. I haven't thought enough about that. I mean, the baby boomers are now somewhat older, so and they've been slow really to pick up on on a lot of the social media aspects. I mean, you know, they're, they're whatever, their oldest were born in 1946. And so um, I don't think they're that much bound up or uh, exclusively bound up in it. Um, but they are very vulnerable to mass trends. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were. The baby boomers were really more caught up in television and the celebrities that they found that way you know, on, on the Norman Lear comedies and so on. That book came out in 1980, 1984, um, a very influential book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, was published about television culture, about television being a form of mass, dis, uh, mass distraction. You argue that social media and celebrity worship is a weapon of mass distraction. Is, any, is it any more existential a weapon than television or is it just the next stage of television Uh, that's another good question it feels like the next phase one of the themes of my book is that celebrity is always jumps and promoted by a new technology when did this start it started with alexander the great you know the ruler who was the first human face put on a coin and so once that started, suddenly the image took over. And so that's sort of what's happened with movies. And then we've talked, well, before that with newsreels. So newsreels was Albert Einstein and Charles Lindbergh. And then, and then with television, uh, were movies, Elizabeth Taylor and so on. <clears throat> and then with television. So it's always been leaping or riding the backs of a new technology. So I would say the, the current celebrities are really the next phase, as you put it, and and right in the backs of the new technology. And in this case, it's social media. Lanny, at at about the same time as you trace the origins of Celebrity Nation, we had the birth of our neoliberal age with uh, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and the reshaping of society, the undermining of New Deal America. You argue that another aspect of the problem with um, celebrity worship is it promotes materialism and compulsive buying. In other words, it's an engine of this extreme late stage, early 21st century capitalism. Is it coincidental, do you think, that the origins of what you call celebrity nation can be traced back to the same time as we had these profound changes in the nature of capitalism and the market? and particularly the fetishization 
of uh, of buying and of money? Oh, that's a that's a that's an interesting question. I suppose in a way we once had a, an equivalent of uh, inf- social influencers. I mean, now it's all with the influencers and, and the followers, as I call them, are very slavish and taking their con- consumption advice from the influencers. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen. And the marketers are really in control. So you look at Kanye West and, uh, and Adidas, which now is eating more than a billion dollars worth of Adidas uh, shoes because of the, they canceled their deal with him. So um, it's a little, a little unpredictable what will happen. But I think you're right. It does owe, owe a lot to the beginning of the sort of mass market uh, that started earlier, but is now just out of control with the current influencers. You of- argue, Lanny, that um, the most vulnerable uh, people to this 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 dangerous culture are women, minorities, and above all else, children. Is this because they are weaker, more susceptible to the the promises of celebrity culture, or is it because they are specifically targeted by the marketers uh, of of the celebrity industrial complex? Well, the the money, the celebrity industrial complex initially ignored women and, uh, and minorities. And so it was other people. Basically, it was white people. Uh, but that all changed uh, and, and more recently. And I, I witnessed some of that change when I was at People. And uh, so that was sort of uh, odd, uh, but there it was. Um. It's not possible, of course, to talk about Celebrity Nation without at least referencing not just narcissism, but Donald Trump. You note that celebrity worship promotes narcissism. Of course, Trump seems to capture all the most uh, disturbing aspects of a narcissistic personality. What happened to narcissists, Lanny, before celebrity culture? How did they occupy themselves? Well... (laughs) I think there were just fewer of them. I think the problems were the same, and they they were still seeking attention. They were still being flattered. They became reliant on the feedback <coughs> they were getting from the from their their, their servants and and uh, obsequious uh, fans. Um, so, but I, I think it's really just scale now, and and, it, and it's the difference, and we have more of the narcissists, but they're still suffering. You know, as I say in my book, there's no pill for that. Uh, once you've got it, you're going to have to outgrow it somehow uh, and do what you can. As I said, Elizabeth Taylor, I thought, somewhat, somewhat had done that. And Princess Diana was trying to um, when, when, uh, when she had her campaign for landmines. And she was another person that when I met her a couple of times, she was very sincere in her desire to do good. Um, and so that was get and do good for other people, not just for herself. <clears throat> so she had become, it wasn't about me. It was about we. And so th- they can do that. And, and uh, at the end of my book, I talk about a few people who've done that. 
So there's hope that some celebrities can turn the corner, as it, as it, as it were, and so go back the other way and, and try to do some, some good in society. Yeah, one of the people you talk about at the end of your book is an old friend of mine, Maria Resser. I've spent some time with her in the Philippines. We've both written about social media. What is it about Maria Ressa that should or could give us hope? She, of course, won the Nobel Prize for Peace a couple of years ago, remarkably brave wow. a woman who stood up to the dictator in the Philippines. Wow, I'm glad you, I'm glad you know her and have talked to her. She's uh, a delightful person. Do you, have you met her? No. Uh, she's, she's the least, she, uh, Lani, she's the least... Well, I've, I've, least like celebrity you could ever imagine. I mean, the most down-to-earth person imaginable. She, again, is not about me. It's about we. And she is she is taking great risk and sacrifices uh, to to help her nation and, and uh, to promote, you know, free speech and journalism and everything they need in the Philippines. And so um, I'm, I'm glad you know her. I wish I did. What's the difference between, I mean, I have a huge admiration for Maria. She's a very brave woman. But what's the difference between Maria and Martin Luther King or any other social activist throughout history? She's not a celebrity and she wouldn't want to be one. And indeed, if she became one, that would actually undermine everything she's trying to do. Who was the one who, who was the second one you mentioned? Uh, Martin Luther King, who has been turned into a celebrity since his death. But I don't think he lived like a celebrity when he was alive. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't. I'm sorry, I did miss that. So I, I'll pass on that question. I don't know. Well, I, I, it's an important question, though, Lanny. Uh, I, I mean, wasn't let, let's think about Martin Luther King and the civil rights activism of the '60s and '70s. Um, what's the? I, I don't understand why Maria Ressa is any different from an MLK of the 1960s. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, uh, well, she may not be. I mean, I, I, I accept what you're saying that there are great similarities. I'm not saying there were not, you know, non-celebrities or heroes. And Martin Luther King was a hero. Um, Maria Ressa is a hero, uh, and so we still have them. We just have fewer of them, and what's and people are less aware of them, and they're getting less attention. Um, I don't know anything about what kind of contracts Maria Ressa may have with her brands, but I doubt if there are very many. She turns them down, I assume. I hope she does. She certainly, uh, I can't imagine Maria having any deals with brands. What about a celebrity, perhaps? I know you also write about Greta Thunberg, who in a way is a more mainstream celebrity than uh, Maria Ressa. What is it about Thunberg that might perhaps suggest a degree of optimism about the future of celebrity. What was that again, please? Who, who are you? Uh, um, Greta Thunberg, the Swedish oh, environmental uh, activist. Yeah, she's similar. And she's young and she's brave and she, uh, she doesn't know that she shouldn't be doing this. And so she does it. <laughs> but I think the thing with uh, Greta Thunberg is that she's much more of a, a master of media and of social media and of speaking and of messaging the Maria Ressa. Yeah, you may be right about that. I'm, I don't notice it as much. And I don't know how many fans and followers she has on her social media accounts. I assume there are quite a few, as there would be with Maria Ressa. But it doesn't seem to motivate them. I don't notice uh, Greta Thunberg being any more 
hugely motivated by the acclaim of fame. I don't notice that or, or the contract she's, she's signing with Adidas. I just don't see that happening with her. Finally, uh, Lanny, uh, I'm talking to you from San Francisco, the heart of Silicon Valley. And all the talk these days out here is about AI, artificial intelligence, smart algorithms. Is the future of celebrity AIs uh, already... Um, uh, Michaela on Instagram has a number of million followers. Could you imagine a, a celebrity nation made up of artificial humans? Is that the future of our celebrity nation if we don't get it right? That is frightening. I mean, you're right to, you're right to be worried about it. Um, I, I find it hard to believe it would really happen, but I think that we, we share a certain sort of fear of an anonymous sense that, that it could happen. And so, um, so uh, we watch out for it. And that's why I talk about um, uh, Lil Michaela, you know, in my book, because uh, people don't know that she's, a, she's not real. And so it's bizarre to have someone, and that's what's going to become more and more real. I think it'll become more frequent. But at the bottom line, I think if people know what's going on, they'll, they'll reject it. Final question, Lanny. Uh, you're doing it all over again. Um, would you have taken that people job? What would you have done differently in terms of you being a participant, partly responsible for the building of this celebrity nation that now seems so problematic? What would I have done differently? A people magazine to avoid this disaster? <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that we would have taken more chances on idealistic, ordinary people and done those and just simply ignored but the profit motive was in there for uh, the people running the business. And so that was hard to do. But I think that's one thing. And uh, I would have asked better questions of people who were admirable. And we did often write about. And I would have brought that out, the idealistic side. I tried to with a cover story on, on, on racism in Hollywood once. And, um, and I, we broke that story. And 19, what, 1996 or so, uh, there was like one of 160 Oscar nominees was a, was a black person. And, but we put it on the cover, called it Hollywood Blackout, and it completely bombed. I mean, no one bought it because they didn't want to hear this bad news about racism in Hollywood. So it, it was full of risk. Um, but, but to answer your question fairly, I think that I wish I had taken more chances like that. You know, and kind of tried to educate our our readership and our audience to accept it. 